In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. You know, this really is not, this is not the title of the sermon. Uh, I gave that title about um, three months ago. And as I've been diving into scripture, I really have changed the sermon title. It's more like the cure for anxiety. It really is an encouraging message. Uh, I just was confronted with something. Four months ago, I was asked to speak at a uh, district youth event for a denomination that I was ordained in and served in for two decades. So I drove uh, seven hours away. I, I got in this room with 150, 160 uh, youth workers and teenagers. It was a youth event. And I had to do three keynotes. And then I had to do, I was on a panel. And so I sat on this panel. And this panel was called Called to Ministry. So it was myself, three other pastors, and one teenager who was called to full-time ministry. So we sat on the stage. I was to the far left. I was... Uh, the oldest uh, pastor by 15 years at least, 20 years. I had served a, a total of 33 years in ministry. Uh, the other four total ministry, maybe 20. And everything was going really well until a question was asked by the panel leader, have you ever thought of getting out of ministry? I, I, with my, all, my wife can testify, my mom is here. I've never thought of that. It's, I've just been called by God to do what I'm called to do. I've never considered it. I've considered killing pastors I've worked with. I've considered, you know, uh, hurting people, that some of the teenagers. You know, I've considered a lot of things, but leaving was never one of them. And so I shared, you know, well, no. And I was the far left guy, so it's going down. And, and what happened, it set off alarms in me, which is why I'm doing this message. I just finished this message this morning. I've been wrestling with this topic of anxiety because I'm a high-strung Portuguese Man, I mean, anxiety is my middle name. And so I've been working through this on my own, right? Uh, so what happened was uh, the first one said, yeah, I'm, uh, I've thought about leaving the ministry. In fact, I see a professional counselor. Uh, sorry, John. Uh, I see a professional counselor, and I'm on medication because I have anxiety. And then the next pastor, I'm seeing a professional counselor, and I have anxiety. And the next pastor, and it came down to the teenager, 17-year-old, Oh, I'm seeing a professional counselor, and I have anxiety. And I thought, I, can I have the mic back? And I, I kind of changed the whole atmosphere of the event because I said, i got to be honest with you, I'm a high-strung guy, and I've, and I've never seen a professional counselor. I'm not opposed to that. Uh, I have many, many counselors. Many of you in this room, looking at many people in this room who have counseled me. I, I go for the freebies, right? I go, man, I'm, I've got many counselors, but man, i got to tell you, I've never considered leaving. I've never been on medication for anxiety. You know, these are just things I've never wrestled with. So I don't really, uh, I'm just wrestling with this fact that you have this disease called anxiety. Well, it changed the whole atmosphere. 
of the event. Thank God God showed up that night and had a revival and dozens and dozens and dozens of kids came down to the point that the pastor was Friday guide and didn't know what to do. So I was like, okay, God, you redeemed me for apparently speaking out of turn. But it got me wrestling with this topic, you know, uh, what is anxiety? Is it something that we have and we carry it around like a backpack? We're cursed with this disease called anxiety, like people who I love have multiple sclerosis or who have cancer, who have diabetes or who, uh, you know, is it this disease we, or is it something that we get? So I've wrestled with this in scripture and I've, I've tried to pull out for you what I believe the Bible teaches about it. Mortimer's, what are you doing in the back? I was looking for you, Diana, and you're like over there. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> National Institute of Medical Mental Health says this, in the United States, over 40 million adults, 18 years or over, suffer from anxiety. That's 19.1% of Americans. Commonwealth Fund, 25% of U.S. adults report having a mental health diagnosis within the last, uh, such as anxiety, depression, or emotional distress. In America, we are one of the highest nations that suffer with this thing called anxiety of the top 11 richest countries in the world. We are at the top of that list. Center for Disease Control, CDC, surveyed that adults who experience anxiety symptoms in the past two weeks is 19.5% between 18 and 29-year-olds, and it diminishes over time to 15% with 45 to 64-year-olds. Conclusion. Based on those statistics, one-fifth to a quarter of us in this room right now regularly suffer anxiety. So 150 people, 130 people in the room, whatever, that's 40 people-ish suffering. I don't, I don't know math. Am I close, Bob? You know, 40 of us suffer with that, right? So this is an, a major issue. When I was putting this message together, I thought this may be the greatest most desperately needed message I've put together in two decades. I, I realize it's that powerful of a subject for us today. So what is the compassionate response of a Jesus follower to anxiety within the people that they love? How do we cure anxiety when we suffer it in our own lives? Like, how do we overcome anxiety? How do we, we say about overcomer, how do we find victory? How do we find healing? Dix, the Oxford Dictionary defines anxiety in three categories. In life, it's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. Isaiah 35, 4 speaks to this. Say to those who are anxious in heart, take courage, this is God talking, take courage, fear not, behold, your God will come, he will save you. In anticipation, anxiety is defined as the desire to do something. Jude one twenty one speaks of this. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of your Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. It's this expectancy. In psychology, and this is where it gets tricky, it's defined as a mental condition characterized by excessive apprehensiveness about real or perceived threats, typically leading to avoidance behaviors and often physical symptoms such as increased heart rate and muscle tension. You see, but I couldn't find a Bible verse to support that. I'm just being really honest. I've looked and looked and looked, and there's nothing in the Bible that supports that anxiety is a condition. Some synonyms for anxiety that you may have used yourself or you may have heard of are fear, troubled, Worried, 
concern, my favorite, stressed out, nervous, uneasy, apprehensive, tense, panicked, desperate, dreading, anguished. We have a lot of words, huh? Distressed, upset, alarmed. You get the point. Since 1990, I love to pray with people and for over people. Two verses I have prayed by far and away over people more than any other passages in Scripture are James 1.5, God's promise to give wisdom. As a youth pastor, you pray that with parents a lot. And Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, praying against anxiety. We live, I mean, even right now, you, some of you are looking at me, you got red faces, shaking knees. You're like, help me, help me, help me. I've got anxiety. Do it now. This is a big problem. And I got to give you a disclaimer. You know, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in psychology. I do not practice clinical psychology. I am not a psychologist. I've got a good friend, John, here who is. So if you need help, you can talk to him. I've got my mother here who can tell you that I am a very stressed out kind of individual by nature. So you got people here to help you. But I would tell you this. I am absolutely not anti-medication. I'm not here to tell you, get off your meds. I'm not here to condemn anybody. I, I acknowledge and I affirm that people do suffer from chronic chemical imbalances requiring medication from a licensed medical professional. I believe that that happens at times. But when I look at these numbers of, four, of a quarter of Americans suffer anxiety, church, don't we agree we got a problem? We have an issue, we got to talk about this. We have to address this in the church of, hey man, we're living in this highly technological world where if you took a week to answer an email 20 years ago, now if you don't answer it in an hour, you're getting phone calls. We live in a high-stress, high-tech world. So the questions I want to answer this morning are this. Does the Bible teach that anxiety is a sickness you have like cancer, multiple sclerosis, high blood pressure, or multiple personality disorders? Or is it an affliction that believers suffer when we, can, we take our eyes off of Jesus and we put them onto the storms of life? This morning I want to talk about how Jesus personally, personally dealt with anxiety, how Jesus ministered to those with anxiety, and how we can find a healing and be equipped when that beast, when, when we're tempted to go on an anxiety trip. So this morning, we're going to look at two passages. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and we're going to parallel that with the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. I want to give you tools I use to find victory. So I'm, I'm not just like a, a hair client spokeswoman, I'm a customer. You know what I mean? I mean, I want to, this is what I actually do to help in my life to be a, a life that is free from anxiety to live in peace and calm in my heart. So when you turn there, I'm going to pray. Father, we just praise you this morning. You are the same today, yesterday, and forever. You've created us in our, in our, our innermost places. You know every thought from afar. You think of us more in the sands of the seashore. You hang the stars. You call them by name. You own the earth and everything in it. God, nothing is impossible for you. And God, I believe with all my heart you care for your kids so much. I believe in who you call yourself in the Bible, who you claim to be, your character and your nature. So God, help me to deliver a message this morning with a spirit of peace, a spirit of grace, a spirit of healing that we would find rest for our souls in Jesus' name, amen. So remember, as Bob said, this letter was written from prison. So from 60 to 62 AD, Paul wrote four letters from prison. My life loves when I make her popcorn. So here's how you remember the letters. 
please eat popcorn. Please, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, right? Please eat popcorn. I know popcorn's only one word. He wrote these four books from prison. He was on house arrest, okay? He was on house arrest for basically seven years. He was decapitated by Nero around 67 to 68 AD. We know it was after 64 AD because there was a fire in Rome on July 24th, I think, uh, 64 AD. Paul was in, uh, there, we know Paul was alive during that period. So for seven years, he was on house arrest. But here's what this means. He wasn't in a prison. He was in a house that he rented. So he worked, he made money, he paid for this house that he lived in with a Roman centurion who watched him. So he, was, he didn't have a little ankle bracelet, right? He lived with this. So, so everywhere he went was this Roman centurion. Well, what did Paul do for a living? Paul was a tent maker. What a tent, how do people make tents? They take leather, they make leather moist, and they, they make these tents. Well, they make leather moist in the first century with horse urine. So Paul spent his days with horse urine, tanning hides, to build tents, to rent the prison that he lived in and would be condemned and killed several years later around 67. So so Paul was not living what we would call a stress-free, laissez-faire, carefree life. He was on house arrest where he would later die for his crimes or his lack of crimes, and he was making tents out of horse urine. So this is the situation. Okay, you got it. So needless to say, here's where we are today. So now that we have this context Let's read through what I believe is Paul's remedy or cure for anxiety as he writes it from house arrest or i.e. from prison. Verse 4. So much power in verse 4, knowing what we know right now. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And... The God of peace, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That's the New American Standard Bible. Did you know that our compassionate, omnipotent Jesus never healed anyone of anxiety? To the best of my knowledge, there are 25 times in the Gospels where we hear the phrase, Jesus healed. All of those were related to physical healings or demonic healings. I realize that some people say demonic, there's some psychological stuff there, but I'm a, I'm a, the Bible, the way it reads, it's a demonic thing. If you look at the Gospels through the book of Acts, we see the word healing mentioned 38 times, all of which were also either physical demonic deliverances or they were uh, heal, healings of physical diseases, afflictions, or sicknesses. Again, no mental disorders. Again, no mention of healing from anxiety. Let's take a look at how Jesus dealt with anxious people. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, verse 37. This is the scene where they're crossing uh, the lake of Sea of Galilee, and a storm arises. And Mark, this is the book of Mark, so this is written by Mark through Peter's eyes. So you just got to know this. This is funny when you read this. And there arose a fierce gale wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so much the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep 
on a pillow. <laughs> I love Peter. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Okay. And they woke him up. <coughs> Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. The wind died down, it became perfectly calm. The wind died, uh, and he said to them, why are you afraid? Why do you have no faith? And then my favorite passage is in Matthew chapter 6. Turn there. I'm going to start in verse 25, and I want you to count how many times you hear the word worried, which is a synonym for anxiety, or you hear the word troubled. I'm laying a foundation here. Jesus says, for this reason I say to you, verse 25, do not be worried about your life as to what you will wear or eat or drink, nor any uh, for your body as what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much worth much more than they? And who of you by getting worried can add a single hour to your life? And why are you worried about your clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and gone tomorrow, is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things we given as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow, has, uh, tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has its troubles of its own. Oh, thank you so much. I was just asking God for that. That's funny. <laughs> Don't worry about the water, Jim. Somebody's going to help you. See, that's a great illustration right there of something that really happened, how God just took care of me. That's just funny. I thought you were going to come up and correct me. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. She's a safe person. She's a safe person. She's not going to do that. So this led me to conclude this, that generally speaking, this is what my conclusion is from Scripture. Generally speaking, among believers, I'm talking to believers, Anxiety is not a disease that you have or contract that requires self or prescribed medications. Self, self-prescribed medications. Not self or self-prescribed. Like, oh, I'm on medical marijuana or I'm on alcohol or I'm eating a lot of pizza. It does not for believers. Rather, anxiety is an affliction that we get when we turn our eyes from Jesus onto the storms of life that are heading our way, which makes sense in this fast-paced world. I love what C.S. Lewis said. This is so good. C.S. Lewis must have experienced anxiety. Some people feel guilty about their anxieties and regard them as a defect of faith, but they are afflictions, not sins. Like all afflictions, if we can so take them, they are our share in the passion of Christ. In other words, it's as we struggle to overcome these things, that's a sign that I'm a follower of Jesus, right? I struggle to find victory and overcome and healing in these areas where I'm wrestling, right? So it, I see as Lewis's quote is so freeing. I, but I believe Jesus, I'm a simple guy. I believe Jesus is the cure. Jesus said in John 14, peace I leave you amid the storms of life. My peace I give you, not as the world gives, do I give you. Do not let your heart be troubled, anxious, nor let it be fearful. I added that anxious part. John 16, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace in a world. You have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. So this is the perspective I'm going to be teaching from today. 
I'm not a counselor. I'm not opposed to medication for things. Okay, you need to know that. But I'm going to teach to you from a point of what I believe the Bible is saying to us about anxiety. You know, I am a guy who I have taken a lot of trips. Uh, my wife, I'm married to a flight attendant. And I'll tell you what, I've taken a lot of anxiety trips. I'll be honest with you. When my wife travels, she's got all, she let me use all of her bags here. So she likes to have the wheels because she's going through the airport. So this is a bag that she'll often use. This is not my bag, Fred. Don't, don't get, you know. So she'll use this bag for like over like a day trip. Maybe a turn, go to Dallas and back. Uh, this is kind of a similar, smaller little suitcase she'll use for a one-day deal. But this is kind of the bag that she, she has a brand new bag now that's already loaded for a trip tomorrow that I couldn't use. But this is the bag she's used for years. One of her kids for Christmas put pink uh, lights on it, pink rollers, and it actually in the airport will light up and follow behind it. And I told Jack he could use this uh, for his vacation next week. He was really wanting to borrow this one. So she'll take this. I told you, forgive me later. So then, then she'll put this on, which will have her uh, lunch and her food in here for three days. And then she'll have another bag that she'll put on the back of this thing. And when I think about these bags, I think of anxiety works kind of like this. We'll be going along fine, and all of a sudden, a hypothetical hit us like, oh, I have an appendix rupture. And now I have this thing I'm struggling with, right? And then I'm like, oh, I'm going along fine. And all of a sudden, I have a heart thing happens. I have to go get a pacemaker. This is all hypothetical stuff. So now I've got this another thing I've got to deal with, right? And then I've got a relative in distress. And I've got a third thing hanging off of here. Anxiety works that way. We're just kind of cruising along, right? And then all of a sudden, something hits us. We go, oh, man, ho, oh, so I've got to do something here. I'm now, uh, I'm now in this situation where I need to choose where I'm going to put my radical trust in my faith and my focus. Am I going to put it on those storms of life that are heading my way? Or I'm going to say, God, I don't understand why this has happened to me today, but I'm going to put my trust and I'm going to put my faith in you. And as I look out this morning, I see people have lost spouses children, people right now who are battling heart conditions, people who are battling cancer, multiple sclerosis. Uh, you've, many of you have had hip or knee replacements. We've got a brother we're praying for who's, had a, who's got an infection now, right? These are things that we are wrestling with daily, right? And so when we, that happens, we're tempted. I don't believe that you know, anxiety is a tattoo that I wear as a badge of honor. I have it. I believe that as a Christian, when life comes our way, our farmers, think our farmers are experiencing it right now? No rain in May, right? The million-dollar rain never came, right, Tip? And then the harvest comes early. These guys are like, ah! You know, so what do we do? Do we freak out? Or do we choose Jesus? Where do we run? And so it is really hard. I've watched my beautiful little wife pull three of these bags in the airport. And for a flight attendant, it's a badge of honor. I'll be like, hey, honey, I've got my little bag. Want me to help you? Oh, no, don't touch it. Dragging that thing around. And I'm like, sometimes I think we do that as Christians. We own this anxiety and we realize we serve a God who's bigger than that. And we have to serve a God that is bigger than the, the, the things that we struggle with in life. I'm not talking about chemical imbalances, remember? I'm talking about the daily grind or these things that come our way. I want to dive into the Word of God and I think, this is, I, think that I, have, I have a couple things I want to share that I have implemented in my life and they have literally been life-changing. And I'm going to share a personal story of about a sixth, seventh-month battle with anxiety that happened about a decade ago and how God healed me of it and delivered me of it. Let's look at verse 4 in Philippians. 
If you think you're hot, try being up here right now. Woo, baby. Okay. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice from prison. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Parallel verse in Matthew chapter 6, 9. So I pray these two verses together. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Here's the first step in overcoming anxiety. Celebrate God's character, his nature, and what he tells us about himself in Scripture. What I do is I remind God daily of his character, nature, and promises. He doesn't need my reminding. I do. I remind God of his nature because I desperately need to know. I can't forget who God is. I will unwind if I don't forget. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen? From, 2000, from February 12th, 2012 to September 12th, 2012, I went to bed every night, racing heart, sleepless, because I was about ready to launch a ministry called Men in the Arena, targeting the most under-targeted people group in the church, men, the people group that our society has targeted as toxic, the people group during a, uh, a recession. I was just really smart. I said yes to God. Never done this before. Starting a nonprofit organization. I remember laying at bed at night trying to be calm for my family. And at night's when it got real. Laying in your bed, nobody's around to talk to, playing out all the situations, heart pounding. I mean, it was, it was rough. I resigned from the church I worked at on February 12, 2012. And then September 12th, we're getting the white letters saying you'd missed your house payments. And then the yellow letters come. Then the pink letters come. Then the phone call from the guy who sounds like he's from India. Then the phone call from the woman who sounds like she's from Mexico. I mean, then you, then you get the, then you get the, you know, you get all these phone calls, right? Because the house is in foreclosure now. And in September 12th, God did a miracle in our ministry. And I was like, wow, God, you are who you are. But the bigger miracle was the three guys that spoke to me in one week. And they said, God really put on my heart a verse. I've been praying with this verse in my own life. What's the verse? Oh, it's a Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. I'm like, oh, I know that verse. Oh yeah, it says, and they tell me this because God's ministering to their spirits. It says, come to me. Jesus says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why? Because my burden is easy, my yoke is light. And I started doing this. I started saying in September, God, it's your burden, not mine. You've called me, I've said yes. We're getting ready to lose our house. I've got a 13-year-old wanting to do a paper route to pay the mortgage. It's bad. But God, you are who, if you, if you are who you say you are, if you do own the cattle on a thousand hills, if you do own the earth and everything in it, give me some gold. I had a buddy who was a gold miner. I'm like, give me the gold, baby. Give me the gold. If you really do know, know the stars and call them by name, if you really do have every hair on my back numbered, I mean, if you really do know every thought I have, right? My wife's going, that's so disgusting. Anyway, how about the ears, babe? The ears, hair on my ears? God, if you really are who you say you are, if you, the Bible really is true, I remember saying this, that I'm, I'm going to trust you. 
I'm going to trust you. And I started doing that. I ruthlessly, recklessly going, God, I just, man, if I say I'll follow Jesus, I'm going to trust you. And God delivered. God delivered. He delivers every time. Good, bad, or ugly, he comes through. At one point, and, that, and I'll be honest with you, I prayed it this morning, and every time I pray, whether I pray for the meal before we eat, whether I pray for you, if you have a stress, something I want to pray for you for, or if, what, I always start with praise. I celebrate God for who he is because I need to remind myself of it. I need a reminder. I forget so fast. At one point, most of us will become anxious about something, real or imaginary, but when we do, we need to look to the next verse, verse 6, for guidance. Look at verse 6. I'm going to teach you four Greek words here. You ready? Okay, listen to this. John, you're going to love this. Be anxious for nothing, but... Now, here comes those four Greek words. I want you to say it with me. The first one is eh. Say eh. Next word is ver. Say ver. The next Greek word is e. Say e. The next Greek word is familiar. It's thing. Say thing. Let's sing it together. Everything. Yes, you learned four Greek words. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. By prayer, turning to God. Supplication, asking God. With thanksgiving, believing God. Let your requests be made known to God. So if we start with celebration, the second thing we do is we A, we ask. Oh, some of you are going, oh, he's doing an acrostic. Yes, I am. We ask God to help us now with our anxiety i wrote this for me i know that this won't relate to you when i'm expect experiencing anxiety my problem is never the source of my worry it's my failure to turn to the god who wants to help me nothing is too small or big for god in james chapter 4 verse 2 b james said you have not because you ask not i love what the psalmist wrote in psalm 94 19 when my anxious thoughts multiply within me your consolation delights my soul. Isn't that cool? Getting close to the end of the building project, John's going, I need to pray that prayer. Charles Spurgeon said, anxiety is not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but only empties today of its strength. I love what Psalm 139 says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. The parallel to this passage is in that I pray daily, almost daily, is Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, this is interesting. This word bread, bread is a word that only occurs here in the New Testament. It's the only time this word is found. So theologians for decades and decades were fighting over, what does this word mean? Then they found a piece of ancient papyrus. It had this word on it. Oh, man, they were so excited. The th they've got this pirate piece of papyrus they held this word they compared it to matthew chapter 6 verse 11 what does this word mean what is this old what is this they they realized after much much conjecture and debate that this was an ancient woman's shopping list and that the mysterious word bread literally meant bread what god is saying here is i care about today for you ask me about today I care about the church that hurt you. I care about the relationship that destroyed you. I care about the, the parenting that's troubling you. I care about all of these things. Please, please ask me. There's nothing too small for you to ask me, God says. 
Give me today my daily bread. I cannot tell you how many days I've said, prayed this. I struggle with fear because there's a lot to do. And God's called us to a big thing. God, give me the courage today because I just want to watch Netflix. Or I just want to binge on a tequila grill burritos. I mean, I just want to medicate myself because there's too much going on today. And God goes, I'll take it. I'll take it. I wish that word in the Bible for, on the, for bread was tacos. But unfortunately, it's bread. Asking God to help us initiates. This is really cool. The physical act of asking God to help us initiates his healing response to heal our hearts of worry. In the physical realm, our spirits verbally cry out for help. But in the spirit realm, this is important. In the spirit realm, our souls lean into Jesus. Now watch how he responds to our hearts leaning and longing in verse 7. Philippians 4, 7. The parallel verse is Matt 6, 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. But in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, some of your Bibles say understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if I'm going to celebrate God for who he is and claims to be, if I'm going to ask God to help me through my anxiety, the next one is I'm going to lean hard into Jesus. Now, we have a theological problem with this. We, as humans, think that this is leaning. I'm just leaning into Jesus. That's not theologically accurate. Theologically, le theological leaning is forward and down. The penitent man. It's a humbling. It's a bowing. It's a leaning forward into Jesus. The picture of leaning in Scripture is forward and down. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord in all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Everybody, Henry Ward Beecher said, every sorrow has two handles. We can take hold of one with the handle of anxiety or the handle of faith. Now watch this in 1 Peter, 1, 1 Peter 5, 6. I love this. Peter says, humble yourselves under. Look, it's in there. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. And he will lift you up. Do you see that? Do you see what's happening? Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Lean into Jesus. Get low so he can put his hand over you. And he can lift you up in due time. Casting all your cares. The Bible says, cast all your anxiety upon him. It's in the Bible. Look it up. 1 Peter 5 and 6. Because he cares for you. Isn't that a beautiful picture of us leaning into Jesus? I imagine God singing this song by Bill Withers. Please swallow your pride. If I have things you need to borrow, for no one can fill those of your needs that you don't let show. Will you just call on me, brother? When you need a hand, we all need somebody, right? Right? To lean on. God would say we all need him to lean in. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane struggled with anxiety. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. He knew he would die in a few short hours. He was distressed to the point of death. Verse 38. He prayed drops of blood in Luke twenty-two forty-four. Three times he prayed for God's will to be done. And finally God delivered. And he was ready to die for our sins. Jesus wrestled with this. He wrestled with this just like you do. And he found victory. 
I love it with how Paul puts this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace, calm. God gives the wonderful gift of peace and calm in the storm. I believe it. I've experienced it. If you're experiencing stress, anxiety, fear, trepidation, insurmountable odds, I believe that God wants you to rally under him so that he can lift you up. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that those three things, celebration, asking God, leaning into him, are, are, the, are the cure. But a lot of times we get cured, but we don't stay healed. We kind of go back and forth. We oscillate. Verse 8 gives us the way to really stay true. And this has been an anchor for me personally. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good reputation, if there is any excellence of anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The parallel verse, Matthew 6, 13, not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the rule and reign of God, the power, the authority he gives us, and the glory. It's us giving back to God celebration. Amen. The last letter I want to share this morning is M. Meditate on the good things in life. Man, when I am tempted to be stressed out, I just go, Lord, I'm going to meditate on who you are, what you say, and how you've delivered time and time again. God, my focus is going to, I'm going to, I'm going to glance at the problem. I'm going to gaze at the Savior. Gaze at the Savior, glance at the problem. Remember Joshua? 40 years and they couldn't make him the promised land. God goes to Joshua and goes, hey, Josh, I got to tell you something, bro. He's like, uh, what? Joshua 1.8. Listen to the, you, you, we miss these words sometimes. Listen to what God tells Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble, be anxious or dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This morning I was uh, getting ready for this message and I was shaving and uh, there's a mosquito flying around. Man, I slapped the crud out of that thing. I chased that thing around until I put it on the mirror dead on a doornail. I mean, the last thing that went through that mosquito's brain was its guts. I killed that thing. I am a mosquito evangelist. I, and I, how many have mosquito bites in July? Mosquito bites? I'm telling you what, I hate those things. I feel like anxiety's like that for me now. It's this nasty thing, I just need to smack it when it comes. Because it wants to come, it wants to take us on a trip. It wants to take me on a trip all the time. And when it comes, I've got to slap it. Max Lucado wrote this, become a worry slapper. Treat frets like mosquitoes. Don't procrastinate when blood-sucking bug lights your skin. I'll take care of that in a moment. Of course you don't. You give that critter slap it deserves. Be equally decisive with anxiety. 2 Corinthians 10 says, we are destroying speculations, every lofty thing raised against us in the knowledge of God, and we're taking thought captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's hot in here, and I'm going I'm to save the last illustration. I want to talk to you. I want to just walk you through something real quick. We can find calm in the storm. When you are tempted to be stressed out or something's hitting you that you're really anxious, celebrate God. Verbally, celebrate who He is. His character, His nature, His promises. Ask God to help you 
turn to him and ask him. He wants to help you. He wants to help you. Lean hard in and low. Lean hard, low, and in. You may fall on your face. You feel like it, but he'll catch you. Lean into Jesus and meditate on the good things of God. So I'm going to have the band come up, and as they do, I'm going to walk you through an exercise. So I want you to close your eyes with me right now. Those four points I gave you spelled the word calm because God wants to give you peace and calm in the midst of the storms that are, that are causing you to take your focus off of him. So right now in your heart, I want you to do this. I want you to celebrate God. Think about all of the mighty things that make him so special and unique in creation and just praise him right now for three or four things that come out to your mind. Now, A, ask him to help you. Some of you are struggling with things like chronic heart disease, multiple sclerosis, diabetes, depression, anger. Someone who you care about is really, really sick right now. Take some time and ask God to take that burden away from you. L. Lean into him right now. Let your heart lean. Like imagine your, your body going down low uh, and, and forward. Lean into him. Imagine him cupping you under his hand and cupping his other hand over you and protecting you. M. Meditate, dwell, focus right now on those great promises that God has shown you and meditate right now on the things and areas where God has delivered you in the past. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.